On this show, we talk about Xbox going all digital, Disney Plus providing some details on pricing, and how the Strato launch is launched. Plus, we have a couple of extra extra picks, including Facebook having another outage, and SP talks about some of his experience at Star Wars Celebration. This and more in this week's episode. I'm Kier from Gallifrey Public Radio, a Doctor Who fandom podcast and part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows in the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. This is the official GunnaGeek.com show. Here, we're a bunch of geeks talking about geeky things. Each week, we run down the latest news and happenings in the world of geek. These are your hosts for the show, Steven. But what if I'm in the mood for a T-Swift story? Chris. I've heard the X is going to give it to you. And SP. That's how we roll on Gunna Geek on Monday night. We get crazy! Gunna Geek Productions presents the official GunnaGeek.com show. Welcome to episode 283 of the official GunnaGeek.com show. I am Stephen Jodger and I am pleased to say that Chris Farrell is here. Hey, that's what I did. I hit the mute button when I was adjusting something here. Sorry about that, but I am actually here. This is not an illusion. We are also pleased to say that Stargate Pioneer is here. What's up, SB? I am. I'm here. I'm fresh off another major convention. It was fun up in Chicago. Get the Star Wars Celebration Chicago. So SWCC, not to be confused with SDCC, because that's a whole different thing. But it was great. And we might talk about it later in the show. Also, if you have not had a chance to check us out live, we do want to let you know that we are streaming this live on Mondays. That is something that we do here on the GunnaGeek.com show. And if you have have not heard the rumors or seen the things on the Twitter and the Facebook, guess what? It is true. The band is breaking up. And by the band breaking up, we mean we're temporarily relocating two hours previous. So if you're used to checking us out on Mondays at 8.45 p.m. Eastern Time, you want to go ahead and know that it's not going to be 8.45 p.m. Eastern Time. It's instead going to be, uh, what's 8, eight minus 2? Uh, 8, 7, 6.45 six? Six, p.m. Eastern Time at geeks.live. Uh, we'll have a little bit of change of schedules here and there. It's going to be a bit of a shorter show during those weeks, and we hope towards the summer to get back into the full swing of things, and there will be some times that we will be at the regular time with a full-length episode. In the meantime, we'll still have your news stories that you love to hate. Uh, it just might not be a little segment towards the end, and we will do our best to get back to that format as soon as possible. It's just it's on me. I'll say it right now. It is on me. These guys are really supportive. Really appreciate it. Chris and SP, I will own it. And uh, Chris and SP, thank you so much for accommodating my craziness. It's our pleasure to accommodate any craziness of our network owner because I'm surprised he's still legally sane because I'm thinking Canada has different sanity laws. That's true. They have legalized weed. That helps keep him sane. <laughs> But just keep your eyes on Twitter and Facebook, because if we are going to be not recording uh, at 6.45 p.m. Eastern, we'll make sure to blast that out as soon as we know that. So assume 6.45 p.m. Eastern if you are one of our live viewers, 
and we'll make sure to tell everybody when that is changed back to the regular time towards the summer. But let's go ahead and move on to the news. Here we go. Right. The first news point that we've got going on today is one that comes out of the world of gaming. This is actually interesting. I've heard about this rumor for a little bit. This is one that I'm excited to see whether or not it's going to be true. I suspect that it will be. But this is that apparently there's going to be a all digital Xbox one coming our way, maybe before this podcast even fully releases towards the end of the week. That's right. There have been rumors for a while that there is going to be a discless, I said disc, discless Xbox One S that's going to be coming out. And there's a German site called winfuture.de that claims to have obtained images that are showing off what the all digital Xbox One S will look like. It basically looks like an Xbox without a drive that is smaller. That's what it looks like is the the new version of the Xbox One S that we've come to see. It's the, it looks just like the one that I've got, but without a drive in it. Apparently, hardware-wise, this is going to have a one terabyte hard drive pre-installed that comes with Minecraft, Sea of Thieves, and Forza Horizon 3. And there's actually apparently no mention so far in the rumor mill of the Xbox Game Pass because allegedly surrounding this, there's going to be a bit of a overhaul of the Game Pass system with something like Game Pass Ultimate. We don't really know what the pricing's going to be, but the rumor is, of course, that it will be cheaper than the disked version. Again, I said disc. For a while, there were some rumors that it was going to be $199, but now it's looking like it might be upwards towards the $260 mark. In any case, it's supposed to be cheaper than the existing Xbox One S. I'm really interested to see what happens because, as we all know, when you even shove a game into the system, whether you've got the disc or not, it takes forever to download content as it is from the disc. So really, most of it's residing on the drive anyways. So this seems like a very logical option to offer. I have an issue with this. Okay. I have an issue with this because I bought my Xboxes as a main entertainment centerpiece, which includes to be able to play DVDs, Blu-rays, and 4K discs. So if they take the disk drive out, I no longer have my central home entertainment system. So it's looking like it's off to PlayStation 4 for me. This is why I said offer, offer, because additional in the lineup. Yes, this is not replacing the 1S. This is a supplementary product because there are a lot of people that have gone straight digital because of convenience factors and because why bother buying a disk when literally all you're buying it for nowadays is for it to spin up, say, okay, you have the right to this game. Let me download it to your hard drive so you can play it. That's Again, pretty much the extent of what it is now. I have hundreds of movies on DVD, Blu-ray, and 4K. Don't buy this version. I mean, that's all it's going to be is another product. Yeah, I agree. I'm with Chris on this. Chris, high five. Internet high five that the audio listener can't see. I don't think you guys are understanding how these things work. First, they take away our 3.5 millimeter jacks. Then they take away 
I don't know, USB jacks. And now they take away the ability to put in a freaking DVD in laptops and now gaming systems. It's going away. This is not just an additional thing. Yes, it is for now, but eventually they're not going to want to put it in it. And I'm not going to want to buy their system. I hear your referencing of the Pixel 3 and I raise you a Pixel 3a. <laughs> Chris got that. I did get that one, in fact. Now, another couple things to keep in mind is there's also a rumored change to their digital program that where they're going to do a game exchange program through the Microsoft stores and Best Buy is actually the rumor, meaning you could come in with your disc and redeem it for a digital code there and they keep the disc. So it's an interesting maneuver they've got going on. Again, it's a complimentary product right now. The Xbox One X, which is the top of the line one, continues to have the drive. And arguably, we might see next generation, all of these game consoles, ditch it because let's be honest, the disc is a glorified DRM tool now. Microsoft, if they'd had their druthers, would have probably not even put a disc drive in this time around and gone straight digital. But people freaked out with the Xbox One. I think you're right. I think we're actually headed that way. That you know, I do think that SP is correct that we we will eventually see it fully removed. But I do think there will be an option from the media perspective. I think we're going to see that on multiple con consoles. But I do think there will be an add-on drive for the the DVDs, the Blu-rays themselves, because if you've looked at what we mentioned it on the show a little while back that uh, I think it was Samsung, I think, isn't developing yep. a new independent Blu-ray player. So I wouldn't be surprised if you see a USB accessory or something like that. Yeah, the, the market's changing now. Samsung's already going to drop off making physical media players, things like that. There's been a you can pull the stats. There's been a large drop in number of people who are buying those things because the simple fact of the matter is whether you like it or not, and I don't particularly care for it, is convenience trumps fidelity a lot of times. So if someone can just pull up their Roku and say, hey, I want to watch Avengers, they want to hit one button, start watching Avengers without having to get up, find the disc, put in the disc drive. It's just the way things are shifting. There's always going to be a market for those that want the physical side of things, but we're shifting away from that being the default way of life, I think. You know, before we head over to talk about your news, which is is honestly a perfect segue from here. So I want to highlight that I saw the opportunity to segue, but I'm not. I set you up. <laughs> I do want to mention right now that on this weekend, I did have an exact moment that you said the convenience. I loaned my copy of an Infinity War to my my father-in-law uh, who does rent our suite to so that he could go and watch. He hasn't seen it yet. And on the weekend, I wanted to see an Infinity War. And rather than going downstairs to ask for it, I totally pulled it up on Netflix because it was just way more convenient. So there's there's a real world story about convenience. And, you know, I thought to myself, I had a moment thinking the video is going to be better. The audio is going to be better. And I'll just watch it on Netflix. All right, let's back up a second and and segue back into Chris. But I'm going to do it <laughs> by saying, OK. So Disney starts some sort of streaming service. Let's just call it nameless for now. So Disney starts the streaming service and then they pull Infinity War from that streaming service. So the only way that you can watch Infinity War is if you have the physical copy. Not true. You have a digital copy. They can't pull the rights to that. Ultimately, that's where they want to go. Yes. If I redeem my voodoo digital copy or whatever it is, You've got it there. And with the way they're doing movies anywhere until they rip it from your cold hands, but just like they did another digital. Yes, it does work that way because it just happened to you. Well, here's the thing that's worth considering, by the way, in the chat, we have a conversation going on about laptops. And I think it's a great reference of um, 
why this is really a non-issue and and it's that laptops primarily have dropped dvd and blu-ray players and it's true most of them now don't have them and for those of the people who do want them there's optional models there's optional add-ons and i think that it's the same thing as dropping the headphone jack as much as we hate it it really turned into a non-issue for the majority of people so I think that's why it's headed that way, and you'll very well be able to get your USB 3 or USB-C drive for your media. Like, I think as soon as it drops, you will definitely have an optional accessory that you'll be able to buy. That's my prediction. But moving back to where we just mentioned a minute ago, Disney Plus. Disney Plus is streaming service that we've talked about on this very show. Chris Farrell, you have some news about what it's going to look like, right? So we've got a lot of info on Disney Plus. They had an event on April 11th where they gave their first look at the new Disney-fied streaming service and even gave us a launch date of November 12th, 2019. So the real question is, what do we know? Well, let's start off to open up the price. $6.99 a month or $69 a year. They did not indicate, however, whether this is just a short-term introductory pricing thing or if it is planned to be their permanent price. So. Hey, that's a competitive price, cheaper than Netflix, cheaper than Hulu, and it's for streams that are going to be 4K HDR and things like that. So it's it's awful tempting to a lot of folks. They did say their plans are within two years to have Disney Plus rolled out virtually everywhere in the world. After the initial North American launch in the fourth quarter of 2019, it will roll out to Western Europe, Asia Pacific regions starting in Q4, and then in early 2020, Eastern Europe and Latin America are the plans. So pretty much they're planning to expand and be everywhere. That is the hope. It's just a matter of waiting until licensing is set up properly for their international expansion. They did also mention that since Disney owns things like uh, ESPN Plus and Hulu, they might look to bundle those services for a discounted rate if you're a cord cutter. You know, when I saw this come out, I have to say I was a little excited based off of the U.S. price because it's heck of a lot cheaper than what we're seeing Netflix at right now. Um, and then I looked and I scoured the Internet and I couldn't find Canadian pricing. Well, they haven't announced any pricing outside of what the U.S. pricing is. What my understanding from what I've read is when this launches in North America, that should include Canada around that same time. At least that's what people are theorizing. So, Stephen, I do not know what Canadian pricing is. I don't know what price is going to be in any other region other than the United States. My assumption is something comparable to $6.99 American. I have to say, I'm actually more excited after they announced this than, than I was before. I thought they were going to nickel and dime because of their vast library that they have in their setups. Yes. And, and I think I would be remiss if I didn't realize that they're probably launching lower with planned uh, scale ups over a few years, maybe like a five year period or, or something. I think I think when you look at Netflix and what they've done, especially in the last couple of years, you're probably headed that way with Disney Plus, where they will increase it as they get more people. I think you're probably right. Netflix did the exact same. Hulu's done the same thing. The streaming services like YouTube TV and PlayStation View have all done the same thing. It's just the nature of the beast. So let's talk about things you get as a, as a subscriber. I stuttered through that whole thing. You'll be able to set up your own individual profiles for everyone you live with. Very similar to what you see on Hulu and Netflix. Parental controls can be applied for child profiles and all Disney Plus content will be available for offline downloads. So if you're going to be flying on a plane or somewhere where you know you don't have connectivity, just go ahead and download the episodes ahead of time. 
The company is also promising 4K HDR presentation where applicable on the select TVs, meaning when you go to watch Avengers Infinity War, if there is a 4K HDR version of it, which we know there is because we've all bought it in some various way, shape or form, you'll also be able to stream that because that's what's on Disney+. It's an interesting move. Let's go to the next thing we're going to be curious about. What devices from their own press release they said will be available to stream through smart TVs, web browsers, on tablets, mobile devices, and game consoles. They've already secured deals with Roku and Sony for availability on their respective platforms. After the Disney Plus event, Microsoft confirmed Windows 10 and Xbox would have the app. And while they were presenting this, they showed a picture of a Nintendo Switch on screen with a Disney Plus graphics on it, meaning all of the major consoles are getting it. And pretty much as long as you have a web browser or a streaming device of some kind, you've got it. Because the graphic online showed a Roku, it showed a Fire TV, it showed an Apple TV. Disney is making sure their service is anywhere you can find, is on all the devices rather, so you can view it on whatever world you live in, be you an all Apple user or Roku user, things like that. It's a smart move, Some exactly what Netflix does. Will it run? On my Nexus 7 tablet. I imagine that would come down to what version of Android they build the app to support because the Nexus 7 is end of life now, isn't it? Yes. Will it run on my yes. Super Nintendo? No. Will it run on my Wii? I said modern game consoles, I thought, but perhaps I misspoke. Will it will not run on your Wii. Netflix does not even run on the Wii anymore. They pulled support for that like six months ago. Will it run on my Chromebook? Yes, because you can watch it through the browser. Hmm. All right. Well, I guess that will suffice. Stargate That's Pioneer. Right. You are the one here who has a podcast all about a Disney television show. I think it was uh, uh, Disney's Lion King Jr. Uh, is, isn't that what your show's about? I will be getting the Disney Plus streaming service. I do like the six ninety nine price point. Yeah. I do agree that it's going to increase in the future and the only reason i will be getting it is for legends of shield to cover the disney slash marvel series that they are placing on it because we'll have to discuss them on legends of shield that's interesting actually that you're thinking that you would only want to get this because of your podcast so is that something that you wouldn't have got this then without i probably would not have gotten it without the podcast oh interesting I, I would have guessed that this would have been right up your alley because, you know, like you're into a lot of those sort of things that are on there. I thought for sure with the price point, you would have been more interested in it. The price point had made it more palatable for me to decide to go ahead and get it. But if it wasn't for Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., I doubt I would be getting it off the bat. Ah, you got to remember, Stephen, these are all season one shows. So SP's not going to watch them otherwise unless they hit season three. Fair point. See, I remember his rule. We're so backlogged on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. that we still have a breadth of Netflix shows to go through. We still have two seasons, by the time we get to it, of Runaways to get through. Season 2 and Season 3 will be finished with Season 1 before Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. starts. And we have not done Cloak and Dagger. We need to do that. So there are a ton of series for us to do. I don't know what our order is that we'll be covering them. So... If there's a way to buy these seasons on another service and keep those seasons on another service, app, um, Apple, Amazon Prime, Vudu, whatever, I would opt to do that versus get the six ninety nine uh, a month thing. But since it's only six ninety nine, I'll I'll go ahead and try it. But 
I'm not going to get CBS All Access. I am staunchly against these one property uh, streaming services. Yeah, well, I think that's where Disney's a little different is, you know, like I have to say CBS All Access. I don't believe that it is a one property service, but it is for me. But their back catalog, their catalog that they have right now isn't the, the most dynamic in the world. Disney has a lot that they're bringing to the table with their their historical content that they're going to be adding to this. Right. So what Disney's got going for them here is they plan in the first year to have 25 original series. They've also got 7,000 episodes of television and four to 500 movies expected at launch. This includes things like all the seasons of The Simpsons, of which there's 30 seasons of Disney classics like Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, Little Mermaid, Pinocchio, things like that. They will all be on the Disney service. So I if I step back to when I was a kid, I watched a lot of Disney movies. That's what my parents had for me. This makes it a lot easier to. My hesitancy, I'm sorry, Chris, that my hesitancy on the movie part is that they're going to pull this stupid Disney vault crap again, where they're they just throw the Disney vault. They're going to do it just again. So. They're not going to keep all these movies on there forever because they're going to want some sort of scarcity of it in order to get people to sign up that but, wouldn't normally have signed up for it. But Bob Iger literally said in this event that they are don't dispensing with the Disney vault so that all the I, classic I, films I, I will no longer not, be locked away. Do not believe him. And I think he will not be with the company that long. <laughs> I think there's one thing worth considering at SP before we let Chris finish his point is that the value of those classic Disney movies has gone down because it's not there for the kid factor anymore. The kids want to see the, the reason these new full animation, you know, uh, realistic uh, movies are doing so well right now is because of the fact that that's the sort of animation that kids have seen. You know, I, I've got kids who watch the Saturday morning cartoons and the animation is a hell of a lot different than it was when I was a kid. And I think that th the interest is more lying right now with the nostalgia factor for these classic movies. They're just not something that the kids are into anymore. So the idea of vaulting them up there, the idea of the vault was to make them more valuable, to make people want them more. But if kids aren't caring, then you really want, you sell them to the, the nostalgia group once and you're one and done. So I think that, not, I think that it's not the same weight as what it was 10, 15 years ago when kids even cared about these. It's not going to be those same movies. It'll be newer movies that kids do care about. They'll do it again with the next generation of stuff. Which could but be. Their but their service is predicated on if you want Disney content, come to us. That That's the bang thing this is, is we are the home of all Disney content. If they start not having Disney content, but, then why do people want it? Yeah, and, and I, think, I think it'll be that balance of, you know, trying to get people. Because seven bucks a month, if people are willing to pay that. Um, might be more valuable than you know vaulting it and then bring it out with a release and then vaulting it again but it'll be interesting to see what disney what disney does but sorry you're in the middle of a point there chris no don't remember that's that okay this point. that's okay when someone <laughs> listens back and they want to know what it is write chris farrell at the chris farrell on twitter and tell him to finish <laughs> his point and maybe next week he'll finish his point <gasps> moving on to the next news point i see how many times there's a point there uh, SP, you have some information on Strato launch, or should we say Strato launched? <laughs> yeah, so this is the big ass plane that they were making to uh, hang three full size rockets on to launch at altitude 35,000 to 50,000 feet. Well, it made its first flight last week, and in a story by NBC News, 
It reported that aviation has a new number one in size as a one-of-a-kind airplane completed its first test flight on Saturday morning above California's Mojave Desert. Test makes the immense Strata launch, the largest airplane in the world to fly, with a wingspan measuring 385 feet, wider than a football field, is long, and about the same length as the International Space Station, with two fuselages and six Boeing 747 engines. I'm not sure if they're Rolls-Royce or GE, but there are 747 engines. Strata Launch is built to launch rockets from the air. Now, Strata Launch Systems is owned by Vulcan, which manages the estate of Lake Microsoft co-founder Paul Allen, the billionaire entrepreneur, founded Strata Launch in 2011 in partnership with specialty aircraft builder Scaled Composites. Paul Allen unfortunately passed away in October and following complications of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. We all know that Paul would have been proud. This is a quote, by the way, quote, we all know Paul would have been proud to witness today's historic achievement the aircraft is a remarkable engineering achievement, and we congratulate everyone involved. And that was said by Paul's sister, Jody Allen, who's the chair of Vulcan Incorporated and trustee of the Paul G. Allen Trust. Allen's passing is cited as one of the main reasons for the shift in Strata Launch's plans at the beginning of 2019, when the company announced in January that it was ending development of its own rocket engines and vehicles. Strata Launch reportedly laid off more than 50 of its 80 employees. We talked about it here on the show. Orbital Sciences, then later Orbital ATK and now Northrop Grumman, then stepped in with a planned new rocket called Thunderbolt. So it's going to be launching Thunderbolt. Like the uh, peripheral thing? Exactly. <laughs> I can't remember the name. What, what would you call that? Like, what would you call it? Like a, a the peripheral Con thing. It's not the most descriptive. Connection protocol. Did much better. Uh, uh, peripheral thing doesn't really make much sense. Did you ever grow up thinking of the Spruce Goose? You know that big wooden plane that you know Howard Hughes flew at the end of World War II just once, just because he could. And it kind of reminded me of that. Although I think this is going to actually be put into some use. It is a one-of-a-kind airplane, which then gets me a little nervous because something happens to it and something can happen to any aircraft, then uh, the whole thing is off because they're not making another one as far as I know. Yeah, I, I guess that was my question on this whole thing was, um, you talked about it, you mentioned it, that we talked about it on here, the big layoffs and everything like that. Why did they continue? Well, the layoffs were for the rocket development and the actual plane had mostly been manufactured we actually talked about it on the show before when it was rolled out and everything so this was just the first flight you know you go up the gear stays down flaps stay full you test its aerodynamic capabilities and the fact that it actually can fly and then you go ahead and land it and then you start a testing routine from there gotcha i'm tracking now uh well it's always good to see more business in this field i think i i've said that a few times but i i do think that that's where we end up where we're in the Star Trek land and everybody is taking their spaceships everywhere. Because if you just got one person involved, then it costs you lots of money. But when you really want to get to that no money Star Trek land, space shuttles, space, everything has to be a dime a dozen. That's what needs to happen here. It needs to be cheap so that we all make no money and just live our lives without money. And then the Ferengi can come along and then capitalize on the fact that that's the case and create a niche market. 
And then next thing you know, you're paying for your podcast and they're behind a paywall. Oh, sorry. I, I, I got off track here. Which rule of acquisition is that? <laughs> oh, I like that. That is good. Uh, okay, SP, you need to, uh, for the next episode, come up with what rule of acquisition the podcast monetization is going to be. <laughs> okay, well, that we'll, we'll discuss that on Wednesday night on Better Podcasting <laughs> here on Geeks.Live at 8 p.m. Eastern. Awesome. Finally, in our extra, extra section here, just had a quick hit here. Well, two quick hits that we wanted to get on. Number one, Facebook has had another outage. That's right. If you were trying to view Facebook or any of the affiliated services and you had trouble, whether it was Facebook Messenger, Instagram, WhatsApp. Yeah, this was a thing. There was definitely a outage, which down detector, a site that tracks website outages, reported problems with Facebook as early as 6.30 a.m. Sunday morning, New York time, and affected users in Asia, Europe, and the U.S., and it went on for several hours. This is not the first outage that we've seen in recent, so there have been quite a few outages hitting Facebook, which means that we are indeed at the point that Facebook is finally feeling the wrath of kicking off Stargate by a year. Yes. So I had family members that approached me Sunday morning and said, the internet's not working. What do you mean the internet is not working? I'm getting to all these new sites just fine. Well, the internet's not working. Again, it's working just fine. It just did a speed test. What's going on? Oh, I can't get to my Instagram or Facebook. Ah, oh, <gasps> do you know that they're the same company? No. Okay. They're probably having an outage right now. And you were right. Ah, you must love that dad moment. A, a little bit, but <laughs> it was more the fact that the internet was actually working. And let's talk in correct vernacular here. For sure. Your internet tubes were unclogged. <laughs> <laughs> Sunday morning they were, yes. <laughs> and which, by the way, sometimes you go to certain websites to unclog your internet tubes. I oh, uh, finally, last point of the night is going to be or day if you're viewing this in the day or overnight or mid morning whatever the it is. recording last point of the recording. Of the recording is stargate pioneer you wanted to talk about something that you managed to see in person i did so the title of this news article which i found on instagram by the way and we'll have to link the instagram on uh, our show notes but the title is disney introduces star wars episode 9 trailer with grand style theatrics so stargate pioneer was present at disney's unveiling of the star wars episode 9 teaser trailer and film name reveal with roughly fifteen thousand other fellow franchise fans at the star wars celebration chicago 2019 in the wind trust arena during the panel lucasfilm lead kathleen kennedy misspoke calling the nine movie saga quote unprecedented in history unquote clearly unaware of her sister disney division's marvel 24 <laughs> movie running success um can somebody please give kathleen kevin feige's number please just, <laughs> just saying nevertheless the teaser trailer has seen to calm the nerves of many star wars fans after the widely panned episode eight and disappointing solo film performances Fans now look forward to Rise of the Skywalker on December 20th, 2019, and next year's Star Wars celebration to be held in Anaheim, California. Huh. Uh, question as well. How many Star Trek movies were there? 
I know you, you could go Harry Potter. <laughs> I mean, it's like Kathleen. Can you do you whatever? <laughs> I mean, at this point, I think after nine, she's done. Somebody else steps in. Well, well, maybe somebody that can can look to their desk mate and realize that what the statement that they're saying is sitting right there to be proven wrong. <laughs> I don't think it matters much. They're putting Star Wars on pause after nine, anyways. No, no, they're not. They said they're going to go ahead with Ryan Johnson's uh, trilogy. I was oh. sitting right next to Jeremy from Transmissions podcast, by the way. And when Kathleen said that, we both looked at each other and we both mouthed to each other. <laughs> Marvel. <laughs> Marvel. <laughs> Marvel. So, yeah, uh, <clears throat> that was an interesting uh, faux pas. I, nobody's reporting that, by the way, because you know, nobody cares. All, all people care about is the trailer. I haven't seen the trailer yet for Rise of Skywalker. I urge you to run over to YouTube right now and watch it because it's amazing. Yes. And you know what? If you want to hit up Stargate Pioneer about this, he's got lots of stories to tell you. It's at Stargate Pioneer on Twitter or head on over to our Discord at www.gungeek.com slash Discord because he was there when this trailer dropped. He was send he was very kindly sending us updates. We had a bit of a group chat going on and also on the Discord server. Like he was sending them everywhere. And SPI wanted to publicly say thank you very much for including us in that. I know that it took time away from the event, and it was very nice that you were willing to take that time to loop us in. So thank you very much, SPI. I just want to say thank you to everybody that made it possible because I was there at the behest of the Ear Glue Media Network and the Cantina cast, which was great to be there. And also Jeremy, uh, due to his wife's misfortune, I was able to get me into the panel because they did it differently. You couldn't stand and wait out for it. They did it via lottery system. So it was all all fun and games there. But uh, Chris, I think we have a few minutes. I think you wanted to run down some of the shows that are going to be on Disney Plus, And that's what you were forgetting before. Uh, yeah, let me scroll back up a sec. So we talked about they wanted to have a bunch of original content that was coming. Let's blow through it real quick because we got a little bit of time here. So Marvel content, we'd heard a lot of this leaked already. There's a Hawkeye series coming, Falcon and Winter Soldier. Falcon and Winter Soldier was officially confirmed, mind you. Scarlet Witch and Vision, and then a series focused on Loki all coming. Arguably what I'm most interested in coming original content-wise from Marvel is their animated What If series, which is basically going to take pivotal moments from the MCU and then do an animated feature of how it would be different. They announced their first one is what if Peggy Carter took the super soldier serum? That's so that cool. could be very interesting. Uh, in the star Wars world, the thing I really wish I had seen it, they did not live stream this star Wars celebration, but they dropped a trailer for the Mandalorian, which is the John Favreau produced feature taking place after return of the Jedi. Uh, Game of Thrones actor, Pedro Pascal is going to play the title role. It's already wrapped production and they showed off by what all counts is a really cool trailer. There's potato camera quality ones on YouTube. I purposely did not go and watch those because I want to experience it better to how it's intended. But that series looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm also personally intrigued because Taika Waititi is directing at least one episode and appears as a robot in one episode as wow. well. And you guys know I'm a big Taika fan. Well, that's that's awesome. And, you know, I have to say, like, for me, when I'm looking at the TV series, I'm taking them with a bit of a grain of salt because I think that it's worth considering they're going to launch hard and that many things are not going to be sustainable long term. I think there's going to be a lot of these series aren't going to make them past the SP3 season rule because of the fact that they are going to come in and they want to make fanfare. And I think that's what they're going to do is they're going to make fanfare and then they're going to go ahead and, you know, pull them back a little bit and and we're going to see a bit of a shift in 
what they're willing to pay out. So you could do it in a manner that Marvel has done the MCU and that you string it all together and it's all connected. Right. But it is separate series. So that's a tough one. I mean, are they connected? Are you really canceling a series or are you just moving on to the next phase in the, the, I don't know what to call them. They're not TV series, but series. Yeah. So I don't think the intent of the Marvel TV series is to have like three seasons of uh, Scarlet Witch and Vision. I think the intent more is to do like an eight episode mini arc of here's what these characters are doing outside of the movies and then move on to the next property. So I wouldn't be shocked if they just keep doing this with some of their actors and they're kind of standalone mini series, for lack of a better term, versus full seasons of television. Yeah, and that'll be interesting to see how the whether the public feels that one and done type content is worthwhile uh, for like a TV type service. Um, because I think there will be a lot of people who don't want to invest their time in a one and done if it's just filling in. It's like I'm I've uh, one of the few people who really enjoyed the Star Trek Discovery season one episodes. And in between, they did some things called short treks, which were little one off mini episodes. And I couldn't be bothered to look them up and find them because it's like it's not worth my time. It's very similar to how BBC runs their series, which yes. are really seasons. It's a one and done sort of mentality. And if it's so good, they'll bring it in. Like, I think Broadchurch is a good example. I've never watched Broadchurch, but it was wildly successful. So they went from season one or series one to series two. And they actually call them series. They don't call them seasons. So they might be modeling off of that instead, which is much more friendly to a streaming content anyway. Well, I guess uh, the counter example that I'll have was the short run um, sci-fi series that BBC did, which was you didn't really want to invest too much time in because it got canceled pretty quick at uh, Doctor Who. Uh, <laughs> I think that was just... I was expecting a Firefly comment <laughs> <laughs> until you said see, BBC series. See, but even Doctor Who is is each Doctor you could consider a different series because yeah. the main character changes. Yes, it's the same universe. You have the TARDIS, which does change, but you have the TARDIS, so you have the structure of the universe that is still there, but you have a completely new show, basically, and that's how Doctor Who has survived for yeah, you know, what is it? Fifty years, sixty years now. Fair enough. I, I'm I'm really interested to see what the long term is of Disney Plus because I, I do genuinely think it's going to change and evolve as they sort of see how many subscribers they can get, what works, what doesn't work, what they want to Disney Vault. Yeah, I'll throw that in for USP. I'll try to, you know, smooth things we'll, out here. We'll see. Uh, we'll see. You we'll, know, see where it is in a few years because I do think that they are one of the most interesting launches out of these streaming services in recent years because of the fact that they're Disney. So well, we'll see. And if you have something to say about what you're looking forward to with this or where you think it's going to go, get in touch with us through any of the ways, but best yet head over to our discord server at gunnageek.com slash discord. That's gunnageek.com slash discord and uh, chat with us over there so we can talk about it in a future episode. But that's going to go ahead and take us to the end of the show. Before we wrap up, I want to remind everybody we're part of the Gunna Geek Network. There's some awesome, amazing, geeky content on there at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. SP, do you have anything that you'd like to plug or promote today? We're still running down the runways season one, runaways season one on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. And in two weeks on the 28th of April, we will be talking about Avengers Endgame. I'm thinking our minds will still be blown at that point. Awesome. Chris Farrell? 
friendly reminder, we got a lot of live content that streams here over on GoToGeek.com. So if you want to watch other live shows, go to Geeks.Live. You can scroll down to the bottom of the page and see the calendar of live events. So please come on over, check out some other live content. Awesome. So for episode number 283 of the official geek.com show, I'm Stephen John Drew saying thanks for coming on. Bye. Even if you're listening afterwards, but maybe you can come on by when we record live sometime. It's Mondays, geeks.live. MSP saying thanks for watching, listening, and subscribing. We'll see you guys next week. Bye. I'm Chris Farrell, and I'm going back in the vault till next week. I'm disappointed in myself. I didn't make you facepalm anywhere near as much as Suncast did last week. I'm a failure. Thanks for checking out another episode of the official GunnaGeek.com show. If you like the show, please give us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts or a thumbs up on YouTube. You can always join us for our live recording sessions, which stream Mondays at 8.45 p.m. Eastern at www.geeks.live. And remember, you can find our full back catalog at gunageek.com forward slash show. If you're itching for more geeky content, check out other shows on gunageeknetwork.com. Voice work was by Emily Prokop of the Story Behind podcast. That's it for this episode. We hope to see you back again next week.